welcome to a new series we are calling Conversations With. My name is Shaylee Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. And my name is Julie Kraft and I am also living with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Julie and I believe in the power of storytelling. We know that sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. There are so many different experiences. So we wanted to share more stories of Bipolar with you and interview others. Our stories are powerful. They can become a source of strength and hope and inspiration. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Welcome back to This is Bipolar Conversation Series. Um, we're back with Maria. Um, if you didn't listen to the episode before, you're going to want to. She so beautifully shares, shares her story and um, we just wanted to follow up because there were so many things to talk about. I could talk to her forever and ever and ever. So um, yeah, Maria, do you just want to tell us where you were at in your story and then, um, you know, start telling us your journey from there? Sure. So um, we kind of left off on a little bit of a sadder note when um, I wake up in the hospital after my attempt. Um, you know, it is a very difficult thing to talk about because I think there are certain events in life that are so deep emotional that sometimes letters that form words don't really make an impact right. um, but what I can say is that I considered um, this new chap this to be a new chapter of my life and not a new chapter as I had stated all those times before a new chapter where I acknowledged that okay I am a little different than other people and that's okay. If I can get to a point like this and I have still another chance, you know, to me, that's a that's saying that I have a purpose in this life. I didn't get one chance as I got two. So now I better prove it, right? Wow. Yeah. And I also woke up to the blessing of my family and realizing that, you know, I believed that I really would not be missed. And to wake up to see how heartbroken they were, how devastated they were, um, you know, to hold my little siblings. Um, yeah. I have, it's kind of like, if it's hard to live for myself, well now, gosh darn it, I've got a lot of other reasons too. And I'm going to keep going and keep taking it just like me and my friend Tori said, we're going to keep doing it another day, another day. And this day, we're going to choose to acknowledge that you're different, to acknowledge that that's okay, and to acknowledge that you do need help, and that help doesn't mean you're weak. Yes, yes, amen. Yes. So I went to um, uh, I went to an inpatient hospital after that event, um, and or after I got out of the ICU, and I found a book. Um, I was given gifted a book from my mom about how every life has a purpose 
and through all the hills and valleys, through everything you could have ever been through, your, your simple breath is changing lives in the world. And um, I just ate that book up. I wrote notes, I wrote highlighted things I needed to work on. And I've actually kept it um, all the years since then as a reminder of my foundation of um, proper healing when it comes to starting over. Yeah. And um, it was a, a, a beautiful, that was probably the most beautiful hospitalization I had ever been to because I was just um, being mindful and just um, like I said, wanting help. So following that hospitalization, you know, where, where do you stand? Where's the ground? How, how do you move, you know, with that entire past behind you? At this point, I would be um, 21 years old. Wow. And, you know, there's pressure of, first of all, you know, marry, are you getting married soon? Or where's your career going? You know, my parents got married when they were, you know, 22, 23. So I'm right behind them. And, you know, where do you fit in society? And what does it look like to have limitations? What does it look like to seek help? And, um, and um, so we, we got busy and we got to work. And um, I started going to therapy every single week. That hadn't been something I had been doing before. Mm -hmm. um, I also was seeing my psychiatrist on a regular monthly basis. Um, I also had an eating disorder um, therapist as well. Um, and I was um, not in school because I recognized that for where I was at, um, that up and down just wouldn't work and that I needed to figure out what my cycle was. Yeah. And at this point, like when you, so how long did you stay in the hospital after, afterwards? The hospital was only 5150. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then did you have a diagnosis leaving? Thank you. Yeah, I didn't talk about that. Um, yeah, so the diagnosis was bipolar 2. Yeah. However, no one had ever told me that out of their mouth. Gotcha. And um, it was always kind of whispered. And so up to that point, I had been preferring the diagnosis yep. of depression and anxiety. <laughs> same, same, same. <laughs> so... I'm like, it explains it. You go up, you have anxiety, you go down, you have depression. There it is. Um, but yeah, so, so it was bipolar too. Um, but you know, this was the start of my journey of acceptance and that takes time. And I wasn't ready to accept that quite yet. Um, I did start, um, very, I think within this, I waited about six months. Um, I, I created a new treatment team. So like I said, I have my two therapists, my psychiatrist, and both my parents. Yeah. For me to make any decisions, I go through my treatment team until we figure out yeah. how to get on stable ground. Um, which is great because, you know, my dad is knows me inside and out. He's very logical. He's my rock. So he, he how do I, my dad's like my anchor and my mom's like my son. So my mom's my cheerleader and my dad grounds me. So I can't, I need both of them to find that middle line, that, that rationality in my decision-making in yeah. addition to the professional help as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Your 
ground in your sun. I love that so much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very, I'm very lucky. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic parents. Um, yeah, they got me a lot of help. So I'm, um, like I said, I'm very blessed. Um, but it, um, so we, we, uh, my, one of the things my dad actually suggested of me is that I actually disconnect from all of my friends who have mental illness. And it wasn't that it was um, that they were people I could never be friends with. It was just for a period of time to find me. Yeah. Because I was, all I was talking about all day was mental illness. I was going to treatment. I was going to therapy. I was reading books. I was talking to friends about all the things that had happened in their life that were so devastating. And I just didn't have a time to sit down with somebody else and talk about what's your favorite bubblegum? Yeah. You know, like just these conversations. Um, so that really a safety bubble right and and what you know when you're ready it's less about like cutting off it's just you needed to focus so much on your like on yourself and and other things wow yeah <clears throat> yeah and so in doing that i started um i got a job at um, monarch beach resort in dana point which is this luxurious hotel right on the beach Ooh. and um it used to be the saint regis which some of you may know i'm not sure but it's one of the five star like most luxurious best hotels and i was ecstatic to work there one because i like anything that transports me to a different world and makes me yeah. feel a different way so to walk into work and to have crystal chandeliers and marble pillars and velvet curtains and you know butlers and you know people who are billionaires oh I just I felt like I was in Downton Abbey you know make believe you know what one of my friends told me that she had heard before because I especially doing events and stuff like I I just so drawn to to beauty and she said but I used to feel like kind of you know I don't know, I felt bad that I love beautiful things or creating beautiful things. And um, she said, beauty draws the heart to hope. Yes, it does. I love that so much. So I can, I can see that and I can see how looking at a totally different way could open things up. Oh, tell me more about that. Yes, it was just beautiful. You know, you'd like look up and you'd see like paintings on the ceiling and just, if you're feeling you know, if I was feeling down, if I was having a hard day, to walk in there was like, <sighs> okay. Yeah. It was a healing place for me to work at that time. Yeah. Uh, I worked in the spa, which was even more healing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, massages. <laughs> yes. um, and um, I really, I, I did quite well there. Um, we had gotten down my cycle to look like um the couple months of summer were my good months then the um spring and the fall were my kind of mixed months and then the winter months were my depressive state months yeah. so we were going off of that and um so when i had after six months which was the longest time i've ever worked at any job ever wow. so after six months of working there I was getting impatient because they would not promote me. <laughs> and um, there was definitely that a part of that was actually me 
and the fact that I was actually very good at the job. Um, And another part of it was also hypomania creeping back in again and not necessarily recognizing that these things can be, you know, a long time. And do you get a little bit of resentment? Like, I find that that's a clue where I'm just like, I start getting resentment about things I wouldn't get resentment before. I'm just like, you know, or I'll start thinking things like, I'm doing everything for you. I usually can tell when I'm just like... I have a big conversation with my husband that is just like the division of labor in this household is unfair. Like I always can tell that that's starting when I start to get resentment for things that I normally don't or things that like I've even agreed to doing, but I get, do you get like that? Yes. I was, I started to feel like I was being overlooked, you know, not appreciated as much, especially because they were like, I would do whatever they asked stay late I, and because I also enjoyed it too but also because I felt like I could do it better yeah. uh, and I'm not saying that and necessarily you know trying to be cocky but I just genuinely felt I can make this guest feel feel so much more welcome because I just felt like I had the heart for it I had more heart than my fellow um co-workers although I love them um so I discovered that there was a job at another hotel, but it was in Colorado. Okay. And it was called the Oxford Hotel. And it's the first hotel that was ever made in Colorado, in Denver. And it's the one of the most luxurious and it's also haunted. So I was like, luxury and haunted? Absolutely. Like so interesting. Yeah. Yes. And um Growing up, I'd wanted to go to Colorado to live anyway. So I had saved up money. I had, for the first time in my life, money. I had a car. I um, actually had just moved out and was living on my own. I was renting a room. And I was believing in myself and very, very happy. And um, so I did check with my treatment team about this move and if I could do it and whatnot. And everyone agreed. Um, and I did all the prep work. It was not, even though there was a lot of hypomania there, I was very responsible. I, it wasn't an impulsive move. It was lots of planning and making sure the area I moved to is safe and so on and so forth. So I remember when I got there, my dad dropped me off and um, he cried and gave me a hug. And he was like, I love you, Mija. And you're good. I, I'm always here for you. And then he left. Um, and it's very hard to, um, sorry. Never be sorry. Um, I've always wanted to make my dad very proud. Um, he works so hard and I look up to him very much and being sick so much, I, you know, I, I very rarely hear those words because it's so much of caring for me and less of seeing me. And so it was like my father saw me and he was happy about who he saw. And it was this um, great moment. And I remember um, he drove off and I cried for a second. And then all of a sudden I thought of that nurse who said those horrible things to me. And I just looked up in the sky and I said, F you. Yes. <laughs> and then I did three cartwheels and I went to decorate my room. <laughs> I love that so much. I love 
what a release, right? I'm learning so much about, about release because I live so much up in here to release. And one of the things I've found is like putting it outside my body. So I've actually like named my anxiety. Yeah. It's separate for me. And I just was like, I call her Agnes anxiety because I like alliteration, but I, was, I, was just like, I recognize you're here because I spent my whole life being like, I want this gone completely. Yes. Yes. Isn't, um, most likely isn't going to happen for me. And I just feel like, I recognize you're here, but you're not the driver. And it seems so ridiculous, but it helps. And it helps with shame for me, especially because, you know, I just always, you just, your default is thinking there's something wrong. Or even though I know healing's not linear, I just, sometimes I get these thoughts for, you know, you're so far along. Why are you, you know, da, 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 da. and I'm like, no, not true. Anyways, sorry. I just love that you were like, no, no, I'm not going to believe that anymore. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's a powerful, like you said, release to be able to acknowledge that that's not a part of you, whatever that, that is. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it was a beautiful moment. And, um, I did very well there. Um, there was talk of promoting me very early on. I was making friends. Um, it was just this, this great period of my life where I felt independent. And I remember I would walk in the streets alone and I would just find myself crying throughout the day because I'm like, how did I get here? Like I, holy cow, I did it. Like, I'm like, I, I'm managing, you know, like, and, and I'm doing it and she's Louise. And, you know, so it was a very, um, it was just a really nice period in my life. Um, and I felt, I, I realized I really loved hospitality because I loved being of service to people. Mm -hmm. I love making people feel special, you know? Um, my, one of my love language or my top love language um, for others and how I express love is to give gifts. I would spend billions of dollars just to hand strangers gifts. I think it's, it, it's just, I, I just love making, doing anything to make someone's face light up. So it was a very good um, career place for me to be in. Um, however, what my doctors did not tell me is that in high altitude, medication doesn't work. What? Not mine. I've never heard that. Yeah, so the medication that I was on, all of them, um, don't work after a certain elevation. And I was in Denver, which is very high. So I got to enjoy uh, three months by myself feeling independent before I started feeling sick again, which terrified me. Oh my gosh. I'm like, how is this possible? We're on new meds. I'm following all the things. And even though I was aware that, you know, bad days were going to happen, I just, not this bad. <laughs> and um, I actually had an incident where I was in the back office and I was helping roll um, uh, like forks and stuff. Um, and I just paused and all of a sudden within 10 seconds, I felt 10 different emotions Ugh. and I remember my body doing that this whoosh movement and at the end of it 
I just started sobbing and I'm like, this is bad. This is not good. I'm not supposed to feel that way. I've never felt that before. What is happening? I left, went home. Long story short, my meds stopped and I uh, had to come home. And so within 24 to 48 hours, I had to sell everything I owned, including my car that I'd worked so hard for, my room for rent, my clothes. Um, and I had to hop on a plane and watch Denver go away because, because my medicine doesn't work here and I don't have a choice, but I have to take care of myself. But in order to take care of myself, I guess, Sometimes you have to lose certain things or certain opportunities. And that was very, very challenging for me to do because I just felt like I had found myself and I had felt like that self had been put in a cage now. Um, it must have felt so unfair. Yeah, I was very mad. I was mad at my doctors. I wasn't mad at my parents because how are they to know? But you know, just like, seriously, come on, like, give me, especially with my whole history, like, could you help me out, pay, like, yeah. spend another 15 minutes before you give me a response to think about it, just, um, so coming home, uh, I, that whole plane ride, I cried that whole plane ride, oh, I feel so bad, whoever I sat next to, <laughs> but um, I, I recognized, um, that was my, Okay, I have bipolar. Realizing, and I realized I probably have ultradian cycling because I had heard about it. Um, recognizing that this would be a limitation for me and that it might mean that some choices that I would like to make in my life might have to come second to caring for myself and that that might be painful, just like that moment was for me. And that was um, a loss. Um, a very huge moment of grief and not just for that moment but for all the moments of my life of recognizing that you know the decisions I make are going to be very different than the decisions that other people might not necessarily have to make and that difference was very very frustrating for me and it like you said seems so unfair um, and so I came home with this new all right bipolar here we go. And I remember walking through the doors and seeing my four, the four siblings that were home at the time and all of them were like upset for me and my parents were crying and they all just ran in and like gave me this group hug. And it was a very beautiful moment, but it was just, oh man, it sucked. <laughs> oh, I feel that. Oh. Yeah. It was brutal. And um, so I went into, um, so I had to go through a lot of grief for uh, just processing that from my life. It, it was really that, that point of, you know, oh, I have been dealing with this my whole life. Oh, all of these things that I've experienced and these pain I've been caused is because of this thing. And it has a name and how do I feel about it? And what do I want to do about it? And what does that say about me? And what does that say about what I do and how I make decisions and oh my gosh like who will ever marry me well is there a man out there like you know spiral yeah. so for about uh two uh a, a year to two years I pretty much isolated myself and I was pretty depressed um 
just being mad, just mad and sad about this cruddy situation. And, you know, my mom is great. She would, um, um, she would actually tell me to go yell at God. And very few people tell you that. Um, I've been hurt in a lot of ways by people saying, oh, just pray about it or, you know, whatever. And yeah, and she actually told me, go on a hike and go scream at God. And so I did. And I went on a hike and I climbed up to the top and I just went off about everything from when I was first hospitalized to that very moment. And I gave it to him. I'm telling you, I was so mad and um, it was probably one of the best things that I could ever have done um, with my relationship with him, with healing, um, just with a general release. Anyone wants to scream, I'm telling you, it can be very beneficial at times. Yes, 100%. I also, I'm very uh, curious about and want to try and think it would be really helpful. You know how there's like, those glass breaking places. Yes, the rage rooms. Yeah, those, I think, how brilliant is that? Because it's, you're moving it through your body in a healthy way. Like I've told my kids before too, and you know, they're frustrated or whatever. I'm like, let's go to Valley Village and get a, we haven't quite done it yet, but I just think that what a healthy release. And I love that you did that because as a woman of faith, that really speaks to me that, you know, yeah it's just such a release and it's just such you know when you believe there's a higher power out there it's still okay to believe and be frustrated or um hurt or upset and letting that out that isn't wrong i think too many of us keep that down and it makes us sicker it does well and i i didn't even mention this but when i was i grew up very 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 religious And when I was first hospitalized, I actually um, felt so betrayed because I thought God was a good God, you know, and as a kid's perspective too, so at a very different level, but I thought he was a good God and good God, uh, a good God wouldn't want his people to hurt. And so when I saw what I saw, I actually threw out my Bible, threw it in the trash. And it's interesting because some people are like, oh, how could you do that? Yeah. And you know, mortified forever. And it's, you know, it is so, it's a relationship, whether it's your higher power, whether it's the person who hurt you. I think it's always important to communicate your hurt. Yeah. And if you stifle that, it can cause problems. So that was, that was huge for me in my release. Um, I started allowing myself to date and that was very hard for me. Yeah, I felt the weight of this worldly label. Yeah. And how would guys deal with this? And, you know, how, how, do not, how do you, when do you say these things? How do you say these things? I feel like I'm a salesperson for myself. Like, I don't know how to navigate it. And, um, but I think a main, one of the things that really helped me with healing with my identity work in addition to really getting that anger out with, you know, God was, um, I started doing actually what's called, um, family systems theory, family systems therapy. Okay. It, um, it's kind of touching on what you were talking about and it's, 
Um, when you assign a animal, a person, like a made up person or a name to different responses that you're having. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then you have one for yourself. So like myself, when I'm feel consumed by all these different, you know, diagnoses, myself for my therapy is actually a stallion. And my stallion is very, it's completely black and it's beautiful and muscular and it's very powerful. And that stallion wants to run as far as she can to the ends of the earth and as fast as she can because she she just that's that's how her energy is that's how she feels she goes she gets it with everything she got and um but this stallion feels like it's in a corral because of the mental illness and so we have this dialogue about the stallion the corral and life worth living and that there is always life worth living and that you still can get over that corral just the way you deal with things might be a little different or it might take more time. And I love that so much. I love that. I think yeah. that that's really, really powerful. I mean, it kind of leads a little bit to where we are here, right? I never thought in 5 million years that what used to be my shame story that I'd be sharing it, mm-hmm. that it's Googleable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> word, but it should be. But yeah, oh, I love thinking about your stallion. Yes, that's my, I have a stallion poster in my room too, but (laughs) Um, yeah, so it was, um, it was, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so therapy. So therapy has been very, very huge for me. I've learned a lot about advocating for myself. Um, I'm my biggest advocator um, and I need to be to make sure that I'm getting the right care at the right time. And sometimes that's different depending on the season of life. Um, But I need to still hold that in my mind. Um, I also did mood charting, a lot of mood charting over the years. And we did realize that um, I do um, ultradian cycle. So I have typically three cycles a day. Um, And within, you know, that's yeah so that's three cycles a day and then that that base that I had where it's harder in the winters that just means my depression's heavier but I still have that fast rapid cycling okay so that adds a lot of clarity on you know oh this is our compass so we now know this and we can figure out decisions around that and um it's been this process over the past three years since I came back from Colorado where I am learning about what are my limitations? What do I need? Do I need to sleep in every day because I need 10 hours of sleep? You know, do I need to work out every day? Do I need this? Do I need that? Um, And um, we actually applied for disability for myself and they rejected me because I- Me too. I was- I was rejected, yeah, even though the doctor recommended it, but because I can take care of myself and others, they rejected me. Yeah, yeah the lawyer was like, because so the lawyer sent me an email and I called her the next day. Then she sent me an email back and she's like, yeah, usually people who are sick like you um, don't get back to me for like a whole week. And I was like, 
excuse why would you first of all don't start making generalizations that can be extremely stigmatizing and rude and just not nice yeah and clearly you have no concept of mental illness because it looks different for everybody so it was just so a lot of it is just navigating through what I need what I don't right now I'm doing um Zumba because it's only one hour low impact I get some money I'm doing respite care for my sister so that leaves me time to be home so if I need to do a coping skill I have access to that um and it is a, a, a constant reminder that of, um, or I have to constantly remind myself that just because my life is different than my 27 year old friends, just because I don't have a house, just because I don't have a car, just because I don't have whatever, doesn't mean that my life is any less or that it has any less worth or yeah. has any less impact that yeah. I still offer so much to the world and that because of my past because of the things that I've been through I get to utilize so much empathy and so much of the wisdom that I've gained over you know learning from different people and experience the things myself and making mistakes myself I get to pass that on so just it's just a lot of you know CBT retraining the thoughts positive thinking and, you know, doing my best to just love myself and honor myself as much as I can. That's the goal. I love that so much. What a way to end it. Just loving yourself and having compassion for yourself. I have learned so much from you. And I'm so grateful for you. This, this morning has been as, you know, hard to hear, but just such a, a joy for me to see, um, you know, you're flourishing, you're flourishing. And despite that there's a little bit of a corral, there's also a gate, right? And I just love visioning you just running. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful that you've been here with, with me this morning. And I just, if anybody has any questions or anything, you can just send it um, to us and, and we can ask Maria for you and um, yeah. I'm just so, so grateful for you and so grateful for this conversation. So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on and being our first um, conversation. I'm, I'm just so grateful to share this time with you. Thank so, you. I was happy to be here. Yeah. Well, this is Bipolar. Mm -hmm.